the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Let Us Reason, and I'm your host, Al Fadi, and thank you, as always, for your um, sacrifices, for your prayers, for your support in a variety of ways to our ministry and to this particular radio show, Let Us Reason. Uh, We've been on the air for more than four years, and we're into our fifth year, so I cannot really emphasize to you how appreciative we are and how blessed we feel because of your partnership. And we pray that you can take advantage, of course, of this particular podcast as one of the many tools that we as a ministry have been developing. You can always use the previous shows uh, through our archive, whether on our own website, which is sirainternational.com, or through the many wonderful platforms out there like soundcloud.com, or Omni Studio, or iTunes, and the list can go on and on and on. And even we have select uh, shows that were done through YouTube, our YouTube channel, Sierra International. And I recommend, of course, as always, that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Sierra International. And remember, Sierra with a C as in Charlie. And we have exceeded 6,500 subscribers already. Another thing you can do, of course, is to prayerfully consider to become a Patreon patron to support uh, basically the ministry with as little as $1 and as much as the Lord puts in your heart. And uh, that's through Patreon uh, on our YouTube channel. This way we can maintain basically uh, staying on the air and at the same time could be used for the other products like videos and things like that. Thank you again for those of you who have took advantage of this and those who are prayerfully considering. Today, I want to talk about a very important topic, and uh, that's the topic of whether Jesus's sacrifice and death on the cross have abolished the law, the requirement of the Mosaic law. And in doing so, are we as Christians free to roam about and do whatever we want, meaning act in a sinful nature. Now, why do I bring something like this? Some of you might say, well, this is a naive thing to say. The Bible is very clear about that. Thank you. Now, it's not me that I bring up these issues. You probably figured out now that I'm talking about our Muslim friends who, for whatever reason, are fixated on this idea that the fact that Christians believe in Christ and the work of the cross and the fact that our sins are forgiven by grace, by faith. Therefore, we are free to sin. That's pretty much what it is. And free to break the law and its requirement. 
We do not offer animal sacrifices, as the book of Leviticus, for instance, talk about. We do not honor the Sabbath as one of the Ten Commandments. And the list can go on and on and on. Okay? So, as a result of this, this was brought up, of course, uh, through our Facebook page, which is my own personal page on Facebook is alfadi.sira, one word, alfadi without space, A-L-F-A-D-I dot C as in Charlie, I-R-A, Alfadi dot Sira. And also we have the ministry page, The Alfadi, and also Sira International has its own page as well. Nevertheless, in there, one of our Muslim uh, friends basically raised this question and proceeded to say, Christians do not believe in abrogation, question mark. In other words, he is kind of like mocking the idea that we don't believe in abrogation, okay, cancellation abolishment of the law so christians are required to offer animal sacrifices the temple so he's again mocking the idea that because we deny uh, basically that we have to do things like this because we believe that in other words the case he's raising is that if christians really uh, uh claim that the law wasn't abrogated then how come they don't do uh, uh, animal sacrifice Uh, How come they don't observe the Sabbath? Are they required to observe the Sabbath? Question mark. Are they prohibited to eat unclean animals? Okay. In other words, he's saying, you know, if you really don't believe that the law has been canceled and abolished and abrogated, using Islamic term, by the way, because the Quran within its pages contains a doctrine called the doctrine of abrogation. You can find examples of that in chapter 2 of the Quran, verse 106. And chapter 16 of the Quran, verse 101, where the Quran clearly stated that the God of the Quran keeps changing his mind and he will say something and then come back and replace it with an equivalent thing, substitute it with something similar or better. You know, I mean, how about that for a God who changes his mind? That's not the God that I worship. That's not the God that I follow. My God doesn't change, nor that he changes his mind. That's what at least numbers. 2319 clearly stated that God is not a man or the son of man, that he is not regret. He is not does not basically repent of what he has done. Now, regardless of all of this, our friend is raising the flag and saying, if you guys don't believe that the law has been canceled, abolished or abrogated, then how come you don't honor any of these commandments? Okay, on the surface, this is a valid argument to raise, no doubt about it. Now, we understand that the motive behind it, sadly, is not uh, clean. However, let us go and investigate the Word of God and what does the Word of God say. Now, one of the most important passages that I want to direct your attention to is found in the Gospel of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount section, which is Matthew 5 to 7. And specifically, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Listen what the Lord says about this very idea. In there, the Lord says, Do not think that I have come to abolish, to cancel, to abrogate. That's another way to say it. Do not uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, pass away, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen 
will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Notice the contrast that Jesus is saying. Don't assume I canceled, rather I fulfilled. Big difference between saying canceling something altogether or saying it is declared invalid. Why? Because I have already fulfilled its requirement. In fact, if we look at the Greek language, the word abolish here is the one that we are going to focus on and point out this grave assumptions that is grounded in misunderstanding of the meaning of the word and the intent of this particular passage. Christ didn't basically uh, claim that uh, basically that the binding nature of the law of Moses would remain forever, in effect, that we are still under the law because such a claim by Jesus is going to contradict teachings that are found in the New Testament, which is the Word of God. For instance, Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believe. In other words, Christ finished the law, fulfilled the law, therefore he becomes our righteousness now. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, He made him sin who knew no sin, so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, the, um, uh, the, the uh, basically the... Um, uh, the give and take, the negotiations here, the, uh, the basically the uh, the deal, if you wish, is that Christ will take our place and he will bear the judgment and he will carry our sin. He's not a sinner, but he will carry my sin and becomes like a sin, basically, in my place. And therefore, in return, the exchange, you know, that happens, I will get his righteousness since he was sinless. He lived sinless. He obeyed the law, fulfilled all of the requirements of the law, and therefore I automatically become a righteous person, cleansed from these sins, and received that righteousness of who? Of Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's the catchphrase. In him, in Christ, for anyone who believes. So you have to have a union with Christ in order for you to basically receive that privilege, okay? Receive that free gift, receive that grace in order for you to be counted as righteous. You cannot just casually walk around and say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world. Therefore, I am basically free now to do whatever I want. I don't have a relationship with Christ, but I am not a sinner anymore. Not at all. I don't think so. You have to to have faith in him, number one. Number two, if you claim you have faith in him and you go around sinning and doing miserable things, just like you were before, uh, committing adultery, fornications, you know, drinking, getting drunk, you know, and drugs and stealing and lying and, and doing all kind of bad things and killing. I'm sorry to tell you, please don't embarrass Christ, okay? You're not embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing Christ by going around and claiming to be a follower of Jesus and doing miserable things just like anybody. Even in the world, there are people that have probably higher standards than this. So the idea is that you cannot make a claim that you follow Jesus and at the same time you stay 
basically in uh, sinful nature. And the opposite is true. You cannot believe in Christ and still go and do commandments that are required to offer sacrifices and uh, to honor uh, Sabbath and fulfill all, all of the law requirements that were given to the Israelites and the people of God. Oh, not that the Ten Commandments only, of course, but all 613 of them. Because in this case, why did even Jesus come to die and fulfill the law for us and become our perfect sacrifice? It makes no sense whatsoever. The word abolish in the Greek means kataluo, okay? Kataluo means to basically to lessen or loosen, you know, uh, the bondage of the law. Uh, put in other words, to invalidate the effect of the law, okay? Another way to look at it is to uh, basically to overthrow, to render vain, to deprive of success, you know? The word usually is used in, in the Greek language in general in terms of legality, or legal terminologies, to uh, indicate uh, invalidation of a law, okay? So Jesus, by fulfilling the requirements of the law, no longer the law is valid anymore. Because in Christ, and in bondage with Christ, and in union with Christ, you're already automatically fulfilling the law. Why? Because he took our place, we become the righteousness that he has given to us, infused into us, and therefore, we're righteous already. You do not have to do the law anymore, but that doesn't give you a license to sin. That's not what the scripture teaches. In other words, you know, you cannot go around and say, now because I am sinless, basically, uh, therefore I can do whatever I want, you know, and as a result of this, you know, we are free to sin. In fact, the Bible addressed this very issue. I'm going to to point out to you uh, one of those passages. Uh, I am uh, directing your attention now to one of those uh, Bible online, uh, basically, um, websites that you can benefit from. Uh, for instance, uh, we have, uh, you know, a Bible website that is called Bible Gateway. You have another one uh, that is called um, uh, Blue Letter Bible. And I'm looking for just a particular, uh, you know, translation. For instance, if you go to the NIV, okay, if you go to the NIV, for instance, here is what we read in the NIV translation for Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Go to Romans chapter 6 and look what it says in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. Notice, when you have union with Christ, you died to sin. You no longer can do any sin. You no longer have this, basically, uh, attachment to sin. You know, we have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You see, the scripture anticipated, basically, that people will be making those bogus claims, if you wish, okay? These kind of false assumptions, okay? So, it is important then to note how the word is used here, the word abolish in Matthew 5.17. In the context of Matthew 5.17, which reads again, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. 
I have not come to abolish, uh, abolish them, but to fulfill them. In this context, there is two opposites. You have abolish is set in opposition to fulfill, okay? Christ came not to cancel, right, but to fulfill. He didn't come to say, okay, the law is invalid, we're done. No, he came to fulfill the requirement of the law in a perfect fulfillment that that's why it became invalid, okay? Uh, let's put it in a, in a worldly manner. You know, some, you know, you may end up getting a speeding ticket, okay? And, and uh, you're given a choice. You can pay the fine. You can try to fight the fine. And, you know, these are basically, one is an admission of guilt, right? If you pay it. The other one, fight it and take your chance. You don't know what the outcome would be. Or a third option, if this is basically your first, uh, uh, you know, fine, uh, I should say, or, or violation uh, that you have not in the last 12 months have to, uh, gotten any other tickets, you have a way to cancel it. You have a way of doing what? To abolish it. But how? You have to fulfill another requirement to do a defensive school, uh, basically um, attend a defensive school course or class, uh, whether in person or online. If you do that and you pass that, then you have declared this violation invalid, okay? You fulfilled its requirement, but you did something, right? You did something. Now, in the eye of the law, by doing this, you're righteous now. You don't have anything in your record anymore, but if you basically, ignore doing that and you never pay the fine you never fight the fine and you never try to do this substitution for it as a result of this you are now a criminal and you are under the law and you could be punished for that Jesus says I came to fulfill the law because if Jesus says I came to just abolish the law then what was he living under himself you know by what uh, standard can we claim that Jesus is righteous and sinless what is the standard that we can use to claim something like this? And why can we even claim that he is our substitution and therefore we receive his righteousness? So you have to really be careful when you're making statements like this. And I speak, of course, to our Muslim friends here that we encourage you to go and examine what this scripture have shared with us. I gave you a number of examples, for instance, in Matthew uh, 26, 61, it says, this man, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The word destroy here is the exact word that was used by Christ, basically, uh, to loosen something. Okay, so that's the use of the word, to loosen or to invalidate something. In this case, Jesus is saying, I'm going to basically destroy the temple, talking about his body, and raise it back up to life, right, and rebuild it back to life. Um, you know, the, the word is used also to describe basically how the human body will dissolve, you know, for we know in 2 Corinthians 5.1, for we know that if the tent, that's our temporary body on earth, that is our earthly home is destroyed, dissolved, right? We have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens, okay? So it's the same word. Word study is extremely important. All right. Now, Jesus didn't come to this earth 
for the purpose of acting as an opponent of the law. Jesus doesn't come as a rebel of the law. Jesus did not come to tell you, don't even listen to what the Pharisees are telling you about the law. No, Jesus actually fulfilled the law. And in fact, even John the Baptist was surprised that Jesus came to get baptized. And he says, you know, let it be so. So we have to fulfill the law basically in all of its righteous requirements. So Jesus didn't leave any stone unturned, fulfilled all of the requirements of the law. And in doing so, in Christ, in union with Christ, in faith in Christ, the law requirement towards us is invalid now. Because it makes no sense to follow Jesus and the law at the same time. That's exactly what the Judaizers were trying to do at the time of Paul for instance, and the apostles, they were telling people, hey, you can believe in Christ, but you still have to do this and this and this and this. That's the reason, for instance, why we have the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 as an example of that. That's why we have letters that Paul wrote to the Galatians, for instance. To the letters to the Galatians, Paul was fighting this very idea. In Galatians 3.10, for instance, Paul says, for all who rely on works of the law, are under a curse. Notice you're cursed because you violate one of these laws, you're cursed automatically. You're already violated all the laws. That's what James uh, says, you know. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Jesus told one of the Pharisees, do them and you will live. In other words, if you really don't believe in my I work on the cross, you don't want to believe that I become your substitute, then go ahead and do the law yourself perfectly, all of its requirements, all of your life, and you will live. No one was able to do something like this. Evidenced by the fact that we're all sinners. Evidenced by the fact that before Jesus, everyone has to submit a sacrifice, uh, basically uh, present a sacrifice, at least those who believed in God. Uh, for the atonement of their sin. And Jesus came to fulfill all of that. And once and for all, we do not have to do any of these requirements anymore. And in Galatians 3, 10, uh, 3, in Galatians 3 verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. He made him sin who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. In Galatians 3.13, it says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus hanged on a cross so that we are not under a curse anymore. If we go to Romans, for instance, and uh, in the book of Romans, if we go to, uh, give me one second here, uh, if we go to uh, Romans uh, chapter Ten, Romans chapter 10, look what Paul's prayer was for the Israelites. Brothers, chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them. Who are the them? The Israelites. Us, in this case, the Muslims who are unsaved. Uh, uh, people, I should say, who are unsaved, like Muslims, for instance. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Notice he's talking about people who are offering things according to the law. 
for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, that's Christ basically, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Brothers and sisters, if anyone next time raises these kind of questions to you, that in Christ you are free to roam about and sin, please point out to them that in Christ we are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ, in union with Christ. And as a result of this, we have no right whatsoever to violate basically that principle that Christ is our righteousness, that in Christ we are dead to sin, we have no desire to do sin, that in following Christ we become the righteousness of God and we are justified and we are allowed to enter before in the presence of a holy and a just God. Thank you again for joining us. As always, you can go to our website, syriainternational.com and go to our YouTube channel and subscribe in there at youtube.com forward slash syriainternational. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.